Today we're discussing the EV evolution with David McGuinness, Director of Product Management, Electric Vehicle Charging, and Raf Tormans, Senior Manager of Product Management at Dover Fueling Solutions. With extensive experience in the automotive industry, David leads product marketing globally for DFS electric vehicle charging systems as part of the clean energy business segment. Raf Tormans specializes in driving value in a transforming environment in site system automation and payment systems in EMEA, focusing on mobility, convenience retail, food services, and clean energy management solutions. Listen as we examine EV charger integration on new and existing sites, investment considerations, EV market insight, and the benefits of connecting EV chargers to existing site infrastructure. Hi, David, Raf, thank you for joining us today. How are you both? All good. Good afternoon, everyone. Great. Thank you for asking. Perfect. Now, are you ready to discuss all things related to EV charging payment and infrastructure? Yep, let's go. Absolutely. Let's do this. Let's get started. So, David, what are your thoughts on industry reports making headlines with the news that battery EVs are now outselling their diesel-powered counterparts? Yeah, I think it's really big and great news for us in the EV industry. Um, there's various reasons for this. Um, there's government incentives, regulations to phase out diesel engines. There's public perception of EVs in general. Um, but I think the main reasons at the moment are really the government incentives. What we see, especially across the European Union, many um, governments offering tax credits, rebates, uh, this really encourages EV adoption. Um, most importantly, from a customer perspective or a driver perspective, it's this financial attractiveness of driving an EV um, for these business and corporate fleets. Mm-hmm. This can mean you know fifty to one hundred percent tax savings on EVs. So this is this is the main driver, I would say, in this um, phase. Um, we see for the OEM manufacturers themselves, just the regulatory environment. They've got really stringent emission targets to achieve. And this basically forces to a point and forces them to encourage the delivery of EVs, uh, especially in the European Union. Um, From a driver perspective, a private EV owner, there's a major cost savings. We've seen this clearly many, many uh, studies have proven the total cost ownership of EVs results in less maintenance and this from, you know, avoiding the cost of energy for electricity versus traditional fuel, uh, we see major, major cost, associated, cost savings associated with just driving EVs. Um, also, especially in the charging infrastructure, we've seen a massive, massive deployment of charging infrastructure in the past couple of years and the big mm-hmm. step still to come. Uh, and this, from a driver's perspective, reduces the uh, big topic of range anxiety. This has been a massive, massive topic. And as drivers see more and more chargers on the road, then it gives that level of confidence that okay, I can charge my EV if I don't have that if when I'm on the road and I need that urgent charge. So this is simply driving, you know, the market consumers towards EV. Um, and then, in short, the, the the big advancements in technology, we see how advanced the, the average EV is becoming: longer ranges, faster charging capability performance um, and in the end this just makes electric vehicles from a consumer perspective slowly more attractive than let's say the combustion the typical diesel or other combustion engine vehicles yeah and so 
just touching on that then, when it when it comes to EV charging, why do you think some countries are more advanced in terms of their EV infrastructure and adoption than others? Yeah, it's a good question. We really see this trend, you know, from North to um, Central Europe and countries like the Netherlands leading the deployment or countries like Norway, even slowly Germany, France. <laughs> Um, within those countries, it really comes back down again to government policies. So the countries that have implemented these supportive policies or incentives, big subsidy programs, this clearly, you know, results in EV deployment, EV charger deployment. And of course, the vehicles have to come and the charging infrastructure has to be first. But it comes back down to in these countries, the strong government policies. Mm-hmm. Um I think an interesting topic is always the stronger demand in certain countries that obviously um, drives the, 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 the deployment or the delivery of EVs in those markets. So again, it comes to countries like Norway, we've seen incredible adoption of EV compared to countries in South or Eastern Europe, where it's far lower in terms of total percentage of, of uh, EV sales versus um, versus combustion engine. Um, where we've been working and a lot, or I've been working in a lot, is the inve- industry investment in general. So we see a lot of private sector investments. So it's typically, of course, big energy companies, fuel retailers, CPOs, who are really accelerating um, the investment in, in charging infrastructure. And that typically starts where the EVs are adopted quicker. And those are countries like Netherlands, Sweden, France and so on. So it kind of will slowly spread more southeast in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the big, big topic is also grid capacity, right? This is a massive topic. You need a very, very robust electrical grid to be able to support this increased requirements for power. Um, easy uh, connection to the grid. This is a very challenging uh, topic for our customers, spending an incredible amount of time in, in, in uh, working on basically the paperwork to get grid connections. So first the grid has to be robust enough and then you got to have an easy way of applying for grid connections and uh, how easy a country makes that compared to other countries makes it also more or less attractive for the for the companies who are deploying um, EV, EV charging infrastructure. Um, what I always find also attractive is if you look at a geography, not only in, say, Europe, but versus the U.S. or some Asian countries, the size of a country can really influence the deployment of charging infrastructure. Uh, you see smaller com- countries like the Netherlands with very you know, small countries and very dense population. This makes it easier and more attractive from a, from a company deploying and investing in infrastructure. You need a fewer number of chargers basically to cover you know, the whole country versus huge countries with uh, low population density. So we already see that having a big impact in in the deployment per country. Um, and then just, you know, kind of public awareness of charging. Uh, you know, it's okay, and coming back to Norway, they're very, you know, green public image and mm-hmm. so on. So this really drives the deployment of infrastructure because the market is there for it. So a few different reasons, uh, I think, um, is, is basically what we see the big, big variance in deployment per countries, especially in the European Union. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot to wrap your head around when you go into it in a bit more detail like you just have. Thank you. And what role does electric vehicle charging play in the fuel retail and convenience industry? 
Yeah, so this is, you know, this is our market. We're extremely f- strong in the fuel retail industry. We have many, many discussions with our customers and what we see, it's increasingly playing a significant role. Of course, there's been early adopters of such companies like the automotive OEMs deploying faster or certain charge point operators. But we know electrification is reshaping our traditional business, the, the, the business of our customers. Um, they need to diversify their services. That's clear. Um, you know, adding charging stations is it's an additional service on their site, and this attracts new customers, uh, EV drivers, of course. Um, the transition is coming, so it's future proof in their locations. Uh, there will be a, a time where we know, you know, it's 100% EV sales in, in Europe. Um, and other countries, so you know they have to future-proof their locations, and they can do that in a smart way, um, starting deployment slowly of chargers, and then gradually deploying extra chargers um, as the demand grows. And that's how we see our customers typically doing it today. Um, and speaking of those deployments, it's always a very interesting discussion. This is additional revenue generation, um, so you are attracting new EV drivers on site, but it's a completely new revenue stream. It can be very, very attractive for our customers. Um, Not only the selling of the energy itself, there's other kind of subscription plans and you can bundle different charging services with other fuel retail offerings. Um, And what we've seen time and time again is the, we also see, you know, there's the environmental commitment that our customers are making. They have a clear commitment to sustainability and environmental responsibility. And this really allows them to achieve those, uh, those targets. And also it really enhances their, their image as a, you know, modern fuel retailer, or it's a safe fuel and energy uh, retailer. That's really interesting. Um, so is electric power just for passenger cars? How can fleets and haulage companies also benefit from, benefit from EV? Yeah, good one. So for sure, not uh, just for passenger car vehicles. We see this is obviously the biggest market, the biggest total fleet. So it's got the biggest um, adoption today. But we know that fleets and haulage companies are are making the transition to EV. I think um, fleet and haulage companies, they operate on a very, uh, you know, let's say low margin business. So when they can see opportunities for cost savings with EV, do generate lower operating costs, you know, compared to a traditional um, delivery van or truck. Um, this energy efficiency of an EV, fewer moving parts and fewer maintenance, it simply reduces costs in terms of maintenance. And then the big one is, of course, fuel costs. So big opportunities for cost savings. Um, some interesting discussions I've had with delivery companies, you know, they know exactly where and when their vehicles are going each and every day so they have extremely predictable routes fixed routes most most often so this makes it not simple but relatively much easier let's say to plan charging and optimize um, ev usage so we really see uh, these charging services been integrated into kind of their fleet management solutions in a very intelligent way we see companies like last mile deliveries operating around cities. Uh, you've got countries or cities like Amsterdam, or let's say user London based. This is um, 
a big topic as well. It's quiet. It's clean operation. You can, you know, you're not emitting emitting at least tailpipe emissions. Um, so for cities, they're becoming super super attractive. Um, and then of course the, the the technology of EVs today. I mean, light light commercial vehicles, of course, is is an easier topic of those vehicles typically doing a hundred miles or kilometers per day. But then as we get into the heavy duty long haul trucking, this is where it's becoming more of a challenge, let's say for electrification. Um, we do see some of the bigger OEMs making, you know, first deployments of charging infrastructure, but we'll see first, of course, last mile delivery and then gradually medium distance trucks. And then it'll be quite a, f a few years out before we really see uh, large long haul delivery companies doing uh, electrification, but um, I'm certain it's coming, and that charging infrastructure as well is is following quite quickly behind or in front. So, when we talk about EV and EV charging, is it possible for fuel retailers to integrate EV chargers and charging systems onto existing sites? Yeah, so this is this is really uh, again a huge topic for our customers. Um, there's um, you know easier and simpler sites to do it, but it's becoming very very common. Uh, for as I mentioned earlier, our customers uh, need to diversify their services. They need to adapt to the consumer preferences. There's there's big changes in consumer preferences, and that simply means deploying EV chargers on site. Um, typically, what our customers need to do is they really need to complete the site analysis um, from a physical or even remote uh, point. Um, things like, you know, grid capacity checks. Do they have sufficient power from the local grid operator to get the chargers on site that they need? So uh, we always advise customers, let's first, you know, have a, a site analysis and then, you know, decide on what type of chargers they need to do. Uh, there's a lot within a site analysis, um, but it's basically a first step. Uh, some of our customers are more advanced than others, or let's say more experienced than others. They already can identify good and um, less good sites. So uh, this is really like the first step. Um, and then we can start the process of actually deployment of our complete charging solutions. And uh, this is really what we're doing now on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we always get into big discussions of, like I mentioned before, of future proofing, the new gener re revenue generation, uh, attracting these new type of customers, uh, the, the advanced or increased dwell time. Um, what we also see is our customers have a huge asset, and that's you know locations, um, and these are opportunities for our customers to leverage that existing assets, which is, you know, building their infrastructure on their assets, which is basically their locations. Uh, and this allows them to establish like a, a wide uh, network um, of EV charging stations. So um, yeah, for sure it's possible and we're doing it today and it's uh, really coming into a very exciting phase because we're just seeing more and more opportunities with our customers today. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, isn't it, to see EV chargers on on fuel retail sites as well as kind of like public car parks and and supermarkets and things like that as well. Um, and what about new sites? I know we touched on existing kind of fueling sites, but 
Is there anything retailers should take into consideration before they invest? I know we, we mentioned about future-proofing and revenue revenue generation, but is there anything that retailers really need to kind of look into now before they make that jump to EV? Yeah, so, um, so we really encourage, um, uh, let's say, a first step in a site analysis. Uh, this can be a remote analysis where we can support our customers, you know, to see, um, to let's say forecast the number of EV charging sessions they'd have on their site to, per day. So that can be, you know, checking um, uh, passing traffic within the area, number of mm-hmm. um, people living in the area, types of business surrounding that location. So there's really quite a lot of aspects which have to be looked into. And in the end, it allows us to predict for our customers how many charging sessions uh, per day can be expected or planned on that site over the next five or even up to 10 years. And in the end, what our customers want to know, will they get a positive ROI on their investment in charging infrastructure? So this type of analysis really allows them to predict, okay, good and bad sites, and then to allow them to predict, okay, which type of charging infrastructure I need to deploy, the number of chargers and so on, and expected ROI. Um, and when we do those steps, then we deep dive more into a, you know, a physical site analysis where you got to check um, power supply. Is there a stable energy supply um, that can support those requirements for the charging infrastructure? You know, do they want four or eight high power chargers? And this is a big demand on the local grid. So you got to check yeah. that out to ensure, um, you know, like charging speed type. Um, there's, you know, clearly now in Europe, we've come into one general standard, but do you still want to service those older type of vehicles? So um, customers need to decide on, you know, exactly which type of chargers and then we support them in that process. Um, infrastructure costs can be quite significant. So, um, you know, we can also support costs associated with that infrastructure, installation, electrical upgrades, permitting and equipment in general. So these are really challenging topics for our customers, especially as they're new new into the industry. Um, what's also quite often overlooked is um, things like, you know, branding and marketing of the sites. You really got to yeah. promote the, those services um, and there's various ways to do that. But most important is the visibility, the signage and the online presence of their EV chargers to ensure that uh, those vehicles which are speeding by in the area, they need to ensure that they have you know, visibility in their navigation systems and so on, or the various apps um, that those chargers are deployed in that area, and then this pulls those customers onto our customer sites. Uh, and in, inevitably, that's what they want, right? More charging sessions per day. Um, so there's really various aspects and, um, you know, just the simple things like the paperwork behind regulatory and uh, various compliance for you know standards uh, charging standards or electrical works and so on so this is um you know again challenging paperwork for certain types of customers and we're always there to ready to help our customers make those first steps including the a uh, few retailers making the first step but then the more advanced customers uh, we always have our solutions to to help them uh, deploy I think I think that's great. It's not just the it's the product; it's the fill package. Exactly. 
And apart from existing sites and new sites, can EV chargers currently integrate with existing forecourt systems? Uh, yes, absolutely they can. Uh, even though I must say that most of the EV chargers today are not integrated with the forecourt, but we see this growing as it will bring uh, added value for both the consumer and the fuel retailer. When doing this integration, I think it's important that we always look at the consumer's and the manager's perspective in this area, and these should live in a perfect harmony together when we build solutions. From a consumer point of view, um, it's important to have a unified experience on the forecourt. It should be simple and preferably something that the customer already knows well. Furthermore, customers are also expecting the same services as they know from uh, traditional fueling on the forecourt to be integrated with EV charging. Uh, a simple example of what we see and already have today is that uh, a customer goes to the charge point or to the payment terminal and he has a loyalty card. He starts his charging session and decides also to buy a car wash at the same time. And because he is enrolled to the loyalty program, he will get an immediate direct discount on this EV transaction. And these are the things that we know for fuel in fuel retailing for a long time and that consumers also, also will expect um, all in the EV ecosystem. Um, for fuel retailers, well, they, they are in a privileged position both in terms of um, the existing infrastructure as the market position they are in to capitalize on the electric mobility uh, evolution. Um, they need to use their uh, already investments and the synergies with the operations they have and take advantage and let EV charging grow uh, with the new mobility retail uh, with enhanced customer facilities such as food services, seating, uh, and toilets. And that hooks in a bit with what David said earlier as well, that uh, the, these fuel retailers see their uh, indoor sales grow. And we've done a recent analysis just last week, and we looked at more than 1,000 fast-charging fast sessions uh, from charges that were connected and integrated with the forecourt site automation system. And we identified that 26% of the EV drivers charge for 15 minutes or less. Uh, about 43% of the drivers were charging between 15 and 30 minutes. And 31% was charging more than 30 minutes. And this gives fuel retailers an idea of how much consumers are now spending at their locations. Other than that, without uh, integrations, what we see today is that operators on the forecourt have limited visibility of what's going on with these chargers. And these integrations also offer the opportunity to visualize the charger status uh, on the point of sale, a bit similar as we know for quite a long time with fuel dispensers. And what does this mean in terms of payment? What options are currently available to EV chargers? Yeah, most EV drivers today, they have one or even more um, charge cards, which commonly require a contract with the issuer of the card. These cards are offered via RFID on the charger and are then routed through road roaming platforms to their e-mobility service provider for authorization. 
going forward, I think it will be important for fuel retailers and for others as well to offer a wide variety of payment options and easy-to-use payment options to ensure that everybody can charge at all time. And more and more, you will see that payment terminals will be uh, integrated in fast chargers so that uh, debit or credit cards can be used as well in a convenient way. Um, in this way, the customer does not need to have a special contract to have a charging session for his car. This is also driven by the new European alternative fuel uh, infrastructure regulation that is on the horizon. And these uh, payment terminals, these can be either integrated um, in the charger itself, or they can act as a freestanding solution where one terminal will uh, control multiple chargers at the same time. So we've, we spoke about integrating EV chargers on existing fuel retail sites and how the potential of integrating them with existing forecourt systems is beneficial. Um, but can you, Raf, can you delve into a bit more of the benefits for fuel retailers when they integrate existing payment solutions on forecourts with EV chargers? Yes, yes. Uh, there are several benefits, I think, for, for the fuel retailer when it comes to integrating the existing payment options that they already offer today. Um, one is that they have more control over the payment transaction flow itself and also the applicable fee structures that go along with that. So that will increase their revenue if they uh, are more in control of that flow. Secondly, um, reusing outdoor terminals uh, that are strategically positioned um, is an option for them. And uh, it also adds uh, uniformity on the forecourt, independent whether a customer goes for an EV charging session a fueling, a car wash, or something else on the forecourt. Um, third, I think it's most important for the fuel retail to accept as much payment options as possible, even from both worlds. Um, there are a lot of charge cards in circulations. It's important that these customers can go to the fuel retailer to charge, but also bank cards, all the fleet cards, yeah. local account cards. And most importantly, don't forget the loyalty cards. They have loyalty schemes and um, even cash is an option when we do this integration. So having all these options available for the fuel retailer is an, a serious value add and uh, will uh, make it very easy for the consumers and always have a, that possibility to charge. And lastly, um, um, the new European Alternative Fuel and Infrastructure Regulation, it mandates um, that uh, debit and credit cards need to be accepted via a payment terminal or a contactless-only terminal, and that pricing also needs to be communicated before the charging session starts to consumers. And this is something that within the fuel retail world and the available payment solutions, we already do for quite a long time. So this integration immediately also brings them in compliance with that new regulation. Yeah, of course. And what, I mean, can you go into a bit more detail about what EV charging and payment solutions DFS currently offers? I mean, David, I'll go, I'll go to you first. 
Uh, sure. So um, in terms of the hardware, I mean, we, we've been very excited to launch our Power UX uh, charging solution. This is a high-powered, fast-charging um, charger designed especially for the fuel retail industry. Um, we've put reliability at the forefront of what we've done with the design. We know this is a, a trend in the, or a hard requirement in the industry. And for EV drivers, they simply want reliable and functioning uh, EV chargers. Um, we've gone with a open satellite design. This was a type of design where we separate uh, the components in the charger, doing the energy conversion, grabbing the energy from the, the AC grid and putting it into DC format so the cars can uh, accept high power charging. This is the basic function of a charger. So we've separated this away from the driver, what we call a open satellite design. So our drivers uh, interact with the charge post or the satellite only. Uh, this kind of gives the customers a premium touch. They have a separation from any noise from the charger. There's no noise levels from, from this uh, noise that the conversion of a charger generates. So it's a low noise experience. It's premium. The customer is not sharing a screen. They simply have one cable uh, per post, so per, per vehicle. So a very, very convenient um, design. Uh, we focused on footprints, so it's very slick, the post itself. Our con our customers have um, often space issues. They want yes. aesthetically um, the charger mm -hmm. to fit nicely into their modern location. So we have a very slim and sleek design uh, of the post. So this is what the customer engages with, and this is um, represents you know a modern look for our uh, fuel retail customers. Um, Smaller topics of compliance in the industry to both, you know, safety, mechanical or communication standards. Uh, and in the end, what these compliance to the standards mean that our customers can buy our charger, plug it into their current systems. And in the end, most importantly, uh, ensure that when their customer arrives on their site, uh, they get the power what they want uh, in yeah. a reliable way. And that's the most important topic at the moment. Of course. And then, and Ra. Um, just from your point of view on the payment solution side. Yeah, uh, alongside the, the Power UX, which uh, David just mentioned, we also launched uh, DX Power in the beginning of this year. And I would describe it as a, a bridge between two worlds. Um, it's a fuel retail and uh, electric charging ecosystems that we bridge together. It's a cloud-based application that uses a uh, industry standards protocols like OCPI and OCPP to enable that unified consumer experience, enable loyalty schemes, and that full integration with the forecourt and the point of sale on site. Uh, and yeah, like mentioned before, by doing this, we have all the available payment options of both worlds, even cash. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to see the, the movement of EV now to what it could be in the future and it almost is the same as what a traditional conventional fuel car gets on the full court as well. How do you see the demand for EV charging progressing over the next five years? Yeah, this is this is a good question. What I think a lot of um, uh, industry stakeholders are looking at. Um, we know today the industry is in its infancy. If you look at, say, the European Union, we've roughly somewhere between five, 600,000 chargers deployed by at least the end of this year. 
Um, the European Union has given targets, estimations to have around uh, almost seven, seven to eight million public EV chargers today. So we know the industry um, and the market is going into a big ramp up in the coming years. And we especially as Dover uh, are positioning ourselves to meet the demands of our customers. Um, you know, the general market itself, we know EV adoption is only going to increase, like mentioned earlier, the advancements in the technology itself, the the, the range of vehicles, the charge speed is incredible. Um, the remote diagnostics, even software updates, like incredible advancements into technology are, are not going to stop, especially in the next five to 10 years. Um, we see the deployment of the charging infrastructure the charging infrastructure must come before the vehicles. Um, so we see this happening. Uh, and we know as governments and private companies are investing in those networks, you know, incentives are driving it. There's uh, private equity coming. It's it's getting bigger and bigger. It's getting easier to deploy locations. Um, so we know that, you know, the availability of fast chargers is going to really ramp up. Um, stepping a little bit outside of our direct industry where you know workplace charging we all see it everywhere there's workplace smaller slower chargers you know typically people are four to ten hours on site at businesses so you know it's more than sufficient to have a slow charging session at your workplace residential charging is booming super convenient uh, to have the opportunity to uh, charge at home not everyone has that and not everyone will have it so there will be this massive dependency on public chargers fast and slow so this is only going to ramp up across cities and all types of uh, public charging areas um you know apart from the vehicle advancements we see across not only Europe, but the world, the investments in battery technology itself, improving the energy density, the fast charging capabilities, the uh, new types of simple minerals going into the technology is only going to improve. And I'm certain over the next five to 10 years, we're going to see incredible breakthroughs in that. So, um, you know, apart from those tricky topics like grid upgrades and so on, um, I just think the advancements in vehicles themselves and battery technology it's just going to be incredible and um, it's exciting to see it to be a part of it Um, and i think in the end for us and our customers it's going to only increase the demand for ev chargers so an exciting period for uh, dover fueling solutions to come that's a lot of interesting points you covered david thanks and what are what are the key takeaways for our audience when it comes to investing in ev charging and payment systems yeah, let's just say, um, you know, analyze your sites, uh, start, you know, start slowly, uh, learn a little bit. We're there to support you, understand the customer demand for reliable, easy to use charging uh, and offer some services on site, offer some food, uh, offer some lavatories. And I think you're on a very good path, path to success. I think... Uh... One of the key takeaways would be location, um, leverage synergies, um, offer a wide variety of uh, payment options and distinctive convenience retail services, all in focus of that consumer experience. As you want to make that journey as seamless as possible to retain 
and grow market share. Thank you for listening to EV Evolution. We hope you enjoyed this episode with David McGuinness and Raf Tormans. If you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a review. To catch all the latest from Dover Fueling Solutions, you can follow us on LinkedIn or visit our website, www.doverfuelingsolutions.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next month where we continue to fuel the conversation.